On today's episode of The Pickup, we'll start off with the midweek recap where we will talk about one sports career ending and another one restarting. And then we'll head over to the NFL. We'll talk about the big Carson Wentz trade, how the future is looking for Indy and Philly. And then we'll play another fun game of buy or sell about where we think J.J. Watt might go. And then we'll talk a little bit of mock draft, a little bit of Sean Watson before we head into the NBA where we're going to do a really fun all-star draft. Drew is going to be Team KD. I'm going to be Team LeBron. And then we'll end off the podcast talking about some big MLB contracts and some division winners. That's all up next on The Pickup. to the pickup it is a little past nine o'clock on thursday february 18th and as always i'm steven biddix joined by drew hartman what's going on drew how much not much ready for uh, a good interesting week with little sports you know it, it's it's weird football's over golf starting to kick up there's a lot of limbo time if you will during the week now yeah, but, there is. I've really missed it this past Sunday. I was sitting there. I was like, why am I not doing anything? And I'm like, oh, yeah, because normally I'm watching football right now. I got my red zone on one TV and the Steeler game on the other yeah. TV. Yeah, and my brother mentioned that it was the first week without football. or the Yeah, the first week. But I, I said the second, technically, because the Pro Bowl was online. Do you count that as a week of football? Because I don't personally. As soon as I saw Darius Leonard in his helmet, Pro Bowl jersey, and pads playing in his yard in South Carolina, I was like, yep, the Pro Bowl is definitely not a real thing this year. He's just a beast. One for living in South Carolina and two for doing that. But moving on, college baseball, first pitch, Division One tomorrow. Yeah. I'm excited, personally. USC, top 25, hopefully a good start to the year against Dayton tomorrow. but. Uh, Hopefully, App can get it going, too, next yeah, week or whenever App you State, say it got rescheduled. App State, not a top 25 team, but it's okay. <laughs> we'll get there this year. We got my the boy Lee Drumhiller. Time for improvement. Yeah, we've got my boy Lee Drumhiller leading the team. Junior, back-to-back All-American in the last two years. They uh, start off at Winthrop down in Rock Hill. On, they're supposed to play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but now they're just doing a Saturday-Sunday series. But – yeah. yeah, it's always an exciting time for those baseball players, which you would know better than anybody being a former college baseball player yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, staying in baseball a little bit for this week's recap, um, Tim Tebow retires officially. He's he's done. It's a a sad thing to see personally because kind of a great a great dude to, you know, everybody says he's a great dude to be around. I mean, yeah. Puts puts all kinds of things first before the sport, you know, and in in 287 games in his baseball career, he hit 223. He had 18 home runs, 48 <laughs> doubles, and five stolen bases. You know, not not career yeah. peaking numbers, can we, but can we call it a career? <laughs> it's a great minor <laughs> league, a great minor league career, you know. How did you spend your five-year career in baseball? Well, I spent it in the minor leagues, you know? Making money for the New York Mets because that's what they were doing with them at the end of the day. Because typically, like, if you were just looking at straight skill level, there is zero reason that he would have been called up for spring training every single year for the past three or four years, unless it was for a money grab. Yeah, you're right. And and, uh, personally, I don't even know if he made money from baseball. I think all his income was from – 
is commentating. The, yeah, football on his ESPN contract. I mean, yeah, and his preaching, he, he got his own company. I mean, everything. But um, And, dude, he dates Mrs., uh, Mrs. International. Like, I think he's engaged to her, too, which is pretty wild. Oh, boy. Um, well, with this career ending, <laughs> that's impressive, Tim. Proud of you, buddy. Um, with one career ending, we move on to Johnny Mandel starting up a new version of his career in the, yeah. I hope I get this right, FCFL, fan-controlled football for the Zappers. Now, yeah, Bob Menery's Zappers. You've got the Zap King himself. <laughs> Money Manziel back at it. I pulled out my cash just for this episode. Had to withdraw it all from the bank, you know. And can't yeah. say it better myself, as Manziel said after losing. And he may have gotten hurt <laughs> or gotten benched. I'm not sure, but he didn't play the fourth quarter. Win or lose, we booze. So, yeah, he's back. I mean, Johnny Manziel is definitely back. <laughs> yeah, so not much has changed from when he was cut. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and and – it's interesting because you'd think, and I hope that this doesn't, I hope Dwayne Haskins is watching him and saying, I don't want to be like that. I want to make it in the NFL, <laughs> not go play for the Zappers. Yeah. I well, I would play in a football league if a team name was the Zappers. Yeah. Well, Dwayne Haskins also isn't getting shouted out in Drake songs like Johnny Manziel was his freshman year. <laughs> Drafted Johnny Manziel, you know, but he is getting paid by the Steelers, (laughs) so that's one thing Manziel does not have. Yeah, start off the episode with a low blow. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, it's it's not a low blow. It's against. It's not against you necessarily. Um, Speaking of them, real quick, real quick with the Steelers, you see today where it was yesterday. Our GM Colbert, he was like, Ben is our quarterback as of today. And we're going to have to rework his contract. It wasn't a very convincing, like you could kind of tell Colbert, like he knows it's for the best of the team that he shouldn't come back. But like the city of Pittsburgh wants Ben back for one more year, as long as he takes a pay cut. I think, what do you think of Ben? Cause if Ben, he said money isn't like a objective for this season. Look, and this, this, if they the city needs here, a hero. Yeah. Because right now he's got the highest cap hit out of the whole entire NFL. It's like 41.25 million, I think. And, um, if he takes the veteran minimum instead this year, it would only be a $21 million cap hit, which is a lot more reasonable. And I would be fine bringing him back on that contract, but not for 40, not the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. What do you think? Oh God, no, 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 <laughs> never. Yeah. I would, I would. And here, here's the, the sad thing about it is there's so many opportunities in this draft to get a quarterback, you know, yeah, well, it's just tough because he means so much to the city. It's like if Carson yeah, Palmer no, he's, won Super Bowls he's, in Cincinnati. He's the he's Pittsburgh's Batman. Yeah, you know, I mean, you don't really see him much during the day, he, but he comes out at night and he's a little goofy looking. But yeah, and what not, I told my parents was like he grew up in Ohio, so and he's playing in Pittsburgh right next to each other. So yep. he's probably gonna live in Pittsburgh because that's all he knows is that area. He'll never yeah. have to pay for food, rental, car, like anything this guy wants in Pittsburgh, it's going to get written off and he's never going to have to pay for it. So, Ben, take the pay. Yeah, no. Don't let it affect your ego and come play one more yeah. season and give us that farewell I'd, tour. I'd force him, not force him, but I would try and push him into the veterans minimum, maybe yeah. go draft a quarterback one year 
watching behind Big Ben, let him learn a couple of things, and then take over the offense. You think but, we can sign Cam Newton and have a quarterback room of Ben Cam? <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't even finish that sentence. <laughs> that may put you. That may put you in the Hall of Fame as a team. You know, You're, what was the quarterback room in 2021? Uh, ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, and Dwayne Haskins. Oh, interesting. How'd you guys do that year? Well, we won three games. Yeah, Mason um, Rudolph on the practice squad. <laughs> yeah, geez. Um, speaking, <laughs> speaking of some NFL stuff, we'll jump in and we're going to move off the Steelers. But if I told you that I would give you Carson Wentz for a third round pick, in a second round pick the year after, would you laugh and be like, that's not real? Or would you be like, yeah, okay, I'm taking that. Like, that's got to be real. I mean, as the team getting Carson Wentz, I would love it. But for Philadelphia, it was a joke. Well, and here's my thing. I still think Philadelphia won that because now you don't have Carson Wentz on your team. That's a relief. (laughs) And I apologized last week. And um, for my Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz take, because you've been saying Jalen Hurts and I was on the Carson Wentz train and, now it's official. Carson Wentz is out of town, but that $33.8 million cap hit the Eagles are going to get will be the largest dead cap hit in NFL history. But yeah. the thing that catches me the most about this is the Eagles said they wanted a Matt Stafford type package. And obviously they realized they weren't going to get that because this is nothing close to a Matt Stafford package. It's a third round pick no. with a second round pick that can get moved up. If um, Wentz plays more than 70% of the snaps or if the Colts make the playoffs. So the odds are they're going to make the playoffs. So odds are it will become a first round pick. But I still am very surprised that they got him for that low. Because yeah, in my opinion, I'm still pretty like I know he sucked last year. He had led the league in interceptions, but I'm still relatively <laughs> yeah. high on Carson Wentz. Joining back with Frank Wright where he was on an MVP pace before he got hurt in 2017. I think he's going to be a solid quarterback there. I think he can take him to the playoffs. I think he's going to do fine. But I still, just as Philadelphia, taking him number two overall and putting that much money into this guy and that many resources and that much time to only get a conditional second round and a third round pick, I just kind of found surprising. No, yeah. I mean, you can say you want a Matthew Stafford trade package all you want, but then you need to have a Matthew Stafford caliber quarterback to trade. And that's not Carson Wentz. That will never be Carson Wentz. And in my opinion, the Eagles made a good move by getting rid of Carson Wentz. That's something you had to do to help team morale, the locker room, the front office, Jalen Hurts. Everybody has confidence in Jalen Hurts now that he's the guy. You know, that's the biggest thing going into next year, I think. And you don't necessarily like the picks that you got back, but – if you're Indianapolis, you're happy. You only had to give up a second and a con- or a third and a conditional second. But in in my head, we've talked about this multiple times. Wentz or the Colts are a quarterback away. That's a big deal. I mean, they're yeah. they're a fantastic star quarterback away. Whatever you want to say, however you want to put it. To me, Carson Wentz isn't the quarterback to do that. You know, I mean. I don't believe that Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think he can be because he's got the intangible. He's got the arm. He's got the mobility. It's just his decision-making. And I was talking about it with somebody earlier. A big aspect of this, which obviously, in my opinion, not obviously, but I don't think it's been talked about enough, 
is like his leadership because we've talked about before on the podcast after he got benched he kind of threw a temper tantrum and he didn't even dress for the last couple games and you're going from Philip Rivers who's like one of the best leaders in the NFL the last 10 20 yeah. years if not all time probably not not the best but probably top five all time of actually like being at the line communicating with the O-line wide receivers and running back and just being a teacher on the field as well oh yeah while going to Carson Wentz's leadership that's been called into question multiple oh, yeah. times and oh, so I think that's mean. a factor you definitely have to keep an eye on is the locker room but yeah Indianapolis has my opinion the best offensive line if not the best definitely top three they've got a top 10 defense They've got Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines in the backfield who are a dynamic duo, along with a rising star and Michael Pittman Jr. And I don't know if they'll re-sign T.Y. Hilton or not. If they don't re-sign him, I think they'll re-sign another wide or they'll sign another wide receiver. Yeah, I doubt but it. But they also have Paris Campbell coming off of the IR that nobody's even really seen play yet. So not that I'm saying he's going to be good, but he's just kind of another wild card to toss into the mix there. And yeah, if a Carson, question. Yeah. And if Carson Wentz doesn't end up working out. I was reading this. So Wentz has to play 75% of his snaps in 2021 or 70% of the snaps with a playoff appearance to be able for the Eagles to get that second rounder to a first rounder. So if the Colts don't like what they see from Wentz and say they're like six and six partway through the season or six and eight or something like that, they can literally just bench Carson Wentz to make sure they get to hold on to their first round pick that next year. Yeah. And then take a quarterback. No, I mean, Carson Wentz, is, uh, I can't imagine his mindset if he was getting benched two years in a row, though. That would be tough. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, the easiest way to get past this, almost talking about Carson Wentz, because it's so old talking about this, dude, because he's so iffy. It's a flip of a coin if he's going to throw three picks or three touchdowns each game. It just yeah. – he had – 15 picks to 16 touchdowns last year. That's, I mean, yeah, 15 interceptions, 16 touchdowns. That's, that's not great. And his, oh man, completion percentage was under 60 in his career. I mean, that was a bad year for him, you know, and I'm not saying that he can't flip it and be something good next year, but they have to do some, he's got to do some serious training and they got to figure out which offense he can run and feel good in because I don't know if that's a huge issue, but they got to figure something out to try and get him comfortable because he didn't look comfortable necessarily last year, which yeah, they got to get him back to his 2017, 18, 19 pace where 2017, 33 touchdowns, seven picks, 2018, 21 touchdowns, seven picks, 2019, 27 touchdowns, seven picks before this past year, he literally threw three interceptions for three or seven interceptions for three seasons in a row. And yeah. he was a very efficient quality quarterback over 60. He's had an over 60% field goal or completion percentage his whole entire <laughs> career until this last year. And those were all while he was with Frank Reich. So that's kind of why I'm yeah. still like high on him just because I think if anybody's going to unlock that Carson Wentz, it's going to be the offensive coordinator that did it before. So that leads me into my next question. Who do you think won this trade? Um, oh, man. I'm going to I'm going to give you a double edged sword here and say <laughs> from the standpoint of what they gave up obviously I think the Colts win. Yeah. I think I what you what you gain in on-field locker room what you really won I think I give it to the Eagles. And I think they both win 
for different reasons. Uh, obviously, the Colts did not give up really anything to get Carson Wentz. But yeah. the Eagles wanted to get rid of him anyway. So they succeeded in that goal. Now you have a young guy that you didn't spend too much money on. You need one receiver. You could give him. You saw what he did in four games, three games, whatever it was. He has the ability to do it. So I think they won from the standpoint of he's your quarterback now. You know, yeah, you're happy with Hertz. You feel comfortable with the trade. You won in your mind. But I guess overall, I yeah, that's my answer. I, I think they both win in different ways. Yeah, because if you look at it, and I know it's tough to take away last year because last year was absolutely terrible. But if I didn't give you a name. And I just read you off these stats that in 2017, this quarterback went 11 and two. And like I just said, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. And then the next year, he had 69.6% completion percentage, which is phenomenal with 21 touchdowns and seven picks. And the next year, he threw for over 4,000 yards with 27 touchdowns and seven picks. And all you had to do was give a second and a third round pick for that. And some of those were Pro Bowl years. Like just doing the blind test, like, yeah, that I would definitely do that. But it's just that last season that's just killer because it was just low of all lows. Yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it, it's just difficult. But now, now I'll throw a question back at you. Where do you see Indy next season? And where do you see Philly next season? Like, how do you, how do you think it's going to turn out for them in 2021? Yeah, so I think Indianapolis's Super Bowl window has now opened. Not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl this year, next year, but I say like in the next like four to five years, like they have that opportunity now. They're one of like the five or six teams in the NFL that does have a Super Bowl window open along with like the Chiefs, the Bills, the Bucks for the next year or so, the Packers and other teams on the rise. And you can't forget either that the Bills only beat the Colts 27 and 24 in what was a very close game that Phillip Rivers marched up and down the field. And so I've definitely got um, Indy winning that division because they were a wild card this past year. Tennessee won the division, even though they had the same record. Tennessee had the tiebreaker. Um, so I've got Indy winning the division. And I think they'll go to the second round this year before they probably get knocked out by either Buffalo or Kansas City. But um, I'm definitely high on this Colts team. And then for the Eagles, I kind of just have them going six and 10, maybe something like that. Five and 11, six and 10. And who knows? They might get a couple more wins if the NFC least is terrible again next year and they can be in it with the 500 record. But I still think Jalen Hurts has only played what four or five games. And a big thing with me, because this is a, we've talked about this before, especially a big thing in baseball when like young guys and rookies and people come in, they can take over the league real quick. And that first season, yep. because pitchers don't know how to pitch for them. Defenses don't know how to scheme for them. But now that they have some tape on Jalen Hurts, it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. If he reacts well and can take that next step and adapt to what defenses are throwing at him, then that'll be great. But if not, then the Eagles may look stupid after this is all said and done. But yeah, so I've got the Colts winning their division and the Eagles going five and 11 of six or six and 10. But and you can't be disappointed hearing that as an Eagles fan either. Like your wide receiving core of Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, and Jalen Rager, and um, Travis Fulgham, I can't tell you. Like, I know Rager was just a rookie, but the other three, and especially just um, Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, when is the last time they both have played like over five games in a season? They can't stay healthy, like at all. And that's not going to, and that also affected Carson Wentz, and that's also going to affect Jalen Hurts. 
And so kind of just for that reason, and the defense isn't terrible, but it's not great. I think Philly's got to get um, hurt some like talent. They've got Miles Sanders in the running back, but they need to get some wide receivers to help them out. And they're kind of in a rebuild. So yeah, that's why I think they're going to go right on that five and 11, six and 10 border. What about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I almost slightly think not the opposite, but a little bit different. I don't, see the Colts winning the division. I think it sits right where they are again, to be honest with you. I think they come second behind the Titans again, because we know what's going on in Texas. We know the Jags <laughs> are in a rebuild. That's that's things that won't be fixed with the snap of a finger. Yeah. You know, so they're going to be one or two. And that's what I almost – the Colts had less to lose here than the Eagles did. Yeah. Yeah. The Eagles, like I said, they're the, the Colts. One that put, they're the ones that put all the resources into Carson Wentz. Yeah. Well, in the Colts, the Colts are in a division with the Texans and the Jaguars and the Titans. The Titans are the only team that's closely compared to them. The other two are never, well, I don't want to say they're never. rebuilding for sure. They're not going to compete with them in the next two or three years, most likely. We're going to watch wow. it be the Titans and Colts every year. But the NFC East that all of those are very close comparative, not very good teams this year. And if that goes somewhere else, maybe Jalen hurts can put something together and win eight, nine games. And he finds a way into the playoffs, you know, but yeah. and I, I know it. my, my goal guess prediction, whatever for Indy is second. And I think Philly is going to push two. I think it's going to be Cowboys and then Philly again. I think that the 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 football team has an opportunity there, but I think the the Eagles take it in the second place. They go nine and nine and what would that be? Nine and nine eight? And seven, seven. Nine and seven. seven. Yeah, okay. but to talk about the NFC East, actually, just real quick. So. We've got – so Dak's most likely going to get franchise tag again, right, because they're not going to give him a long-term deal after the compound fracture that he had if they didn't give him one when he was healthy. So he's most likely going to get franchise tagged again. And Dallas's defense is still going to be terrible. We obviously still have to see what they're going to do in free agency, but it'll be interesting to see what Dak can do with that offense because they put up great numbers with that offense. So I don't – Dallas is definitely a wild card for next year. But I'm a lot Dallas needs on, to get a secondary together too. That's a big thing for yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Is their I'm secondary. Yeah, but I'm a lot higher on Washington than you are. I think they'll win the division or come in second because that front seven's scary. They've got Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin on the offense, and they're also just like a quarterback away. And yeah, and, then, I, and I'm not calling Taylor Heineke the saver. I want to see what he can do, <laughs> but I still think they need to bring in another quarterback that's like proved, but I don't think Alex Smith is the guy because he can't throw the long ball at all, and we know his injury history and stuff like that. But I think Ron Rivera yeah. is putting something together in Washington too. And then the Giants, I'm I'm just not sold on Daniel Jones at all. No. Like I I don't he, like he's not bad, but he's not gonna go like he's not gonna go win you game. Like he's gonna lose you more games than he is gonna win. And the Giants well, we saw what don't happens. Wanna, yeah, the Giants don't want to do what happens when he rebuild. doesn't have Saquon. Yeah, because the Giants already thought they were rebuilding. They drafted Daniel Jones, and they tried to put pieces around him, and it's just like it's like a meme every time they play. <laughs> Well, and it was, and I'm not trying to slander Duke. I'm not trying to slander Daniel Jones, but to take Daniel Jones out of Duke, 
who was not really talked about, take him with the sixth pick. Yeah. That was – it blew me away. And Duke is not a football school at all. No. Well, they're not a sports school right now, apparently. Yeah, they're not a basketball we'll see. school either we'll right see. now. We'll see with uh, baseball coming up. Maybe they can turn something into a good year this year, huh? <laughs> but um, I, I do want to talk about something. Wentz will stay in the W's. J.J. Watt, he's yeah. gone. So Texas falling apart. Watt got out the right way when he could. Yeah. But, uh, what you thinking? I mean, obviously yeah. we got the buy or sell coming up. But what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, we talked about the other week that it was already tough to be a Houston fan with Westbrook, Harden, Springer, Watson requesting a trade, and now JJ Watt's gone, and yeah. uh, it's it's tough. But yeah, I mean. I think what I mean, he did it the right way. He he's a great guy. Obviously, he raised more money for Hurricane Harvey for Houston than anybody. He's always been a team guy. He's always been a leader. He's always just gone about himself the right way. And he doesn't deserve to have to be on a whole nother rebuild. Like he's been on the Texans for 10 years now. And he's just always just been there. He hasn't complained. He hasn't spoken out against them. But now you can tell he's just tired of it. There's a whole new rebuild coming in. He's coming into the last, what, three to five years of his career. He's definitely yeah. going to go ring chasing. And so I don't have an issue with him wanting out at all. What about you? Yeah. Well, I, I actually like it for him, you know, and that's, um, I'm happy for the guy getting out. Um, I think that it was, it was the best move for his, for the end of his career to be comfortable, you know, obviously you want to win games. You want to be the best on your team, but you want to be better and remembered on a good team your last couple of years. Cause he's been falling off with injuries with yeah, the way they yeah, played their defense, but in a little bit from what I've heard from source per source. Um, hey, that's my line. It, well, I stole <laughs> it for this one. His wife is on the Chicago soccer team and he was yeah. actually up there during this week. You know, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see because he's got ties in a couple of different cities. Yep. So obviously he's going to have plenty of landing zones for a Pro Bowl. I mean, the dude is a, a good player. I just I hope he goes somewhere where they can win, get into the playoffs, to where he he gets remembered as a playoff guy, as a good winner, as a good teammate, instead yep. of the guy that stayed on a team too long. Yeah. You know. So, what do you think, money-wise, he's worth? Because he was supposed to get paid, I think it was seventeen and a half million. Yeah, seventeen and a half million this year at Houston, and we all know he's not worth seventeen and a half million anymore because he's uh, only playing one to two snaps per like, uh, or not per possession, but like per like four downs. He's not a three-down guy anymore, and he gets injured and he doesn't typically play all sixteen games. Yeah. So with, I, with, I mean, I don't think he should drop. I mean, I could understand the veteran minimum if he's ring chasing. And I'm not going to mention any teams. So we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. if he's not going to a ring chasing team, I could still see him in like the seven to ten million dollar range. But I don't know much yeah. more than that. Well, I, I think knowing what you know about how many snaps he's going to play and how injury prone he is, where he's going to fit in your D, I, I, I give him five to six and a half. Yeah, for well, a that year. veteran minimum I mean, is right above five, right? 
Yeah, I think it's like five and a half to six. It's like five so and a we'll, quarter or something, yeah. We'll, we'll say the minimum to six and a half is what I think that he's worth at 31, jumping on a new team. You haven't seen him a full season in a while, and you need him to work in, play every couple of snaps, just be that big guy on third down even. But we'll see, you know, and, and I'll give you one of the teams right now starting off to buy and sell. I'll give you the first team that I believe would be a good fit, knowing they're an impact player away defensively on the front line. And I'll give you the bills. Yeah. So the buy it or sell it. I'm going to buy it because the Buffalo bills, I should get my roommate down here. My roommates from Buffalo, huge (laughs) Buffalo bills fan. I try to get them to jump through a table if they beat if they made it to the uh, Super Bowl, but they sadly didn't. Bills um, Mafia. Yeah. But, no, I love that because we all know the offense. We've got Devin Singletary. We've got Zach Moss back there. Josh Allen at the helm with Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. They're still, I think they can get a little bit of a better tight end than Devin Knox. But the offense is solid. The offense wasn't the issue at all. The defense is more in kind of what we just talked about. The Colts, that game was 27 to 24. The defense should have been able to stifle Phillip Rivers in that offense a lot more than they did for a team of that caliber. And knowing that you got a quarterback come over, you got to try and build your defense up now because that's your closest competitor. Yeah, because they've got – I mean, on defense, they've got Josh Norman, who is obviously not the Josh Norman from the Panthers. After he left the Panthers, he was never the same, so he's not the answer. He's still got Mike Milano in the middle who's going to hold it down. He's always solid. But you can't really name like a – more than one dominant they didn't even have one yeah. i would call dominant well, they got jared, pass rusher they got jared hughes but he would be that He's dominant there. pass rusher that crunch time pass rusher that they would need yeah. so i definitely yeah. buy that idea yeah and i think you got to give him like you said the seven to ten million range if you sign him in buffalo because on that team he's more valuable than if he were to sign somewhere else with proven yeah. good front we'll, we'll, better front seven but yeah, he might learn from Greg Olson's mistake. Greg Olson was down to between Seattle and Buffalo, and he decided Seattle, and that did not work out as well as uh, it, it did should've. not. It did not. And but dude, imagine I'm Greg Olson for... on that Buffalo team, though. That would have been fun. Yeah. I mean, that would have been, I think it gives a little bit of a different aspect because of how he's always played, you know? Yeah. But so my first team for you is going to be another top five defense in the NFL with studs all over the place. And this will just be one more plug and play guy that can just make the team even better. He's not going to have to play every single down. They're not going to have to force him to playing because they have their situation already figured out. And that sounds like a pretty good sales pitch to me. You make some good money, five, six million dollars. You don't have to play every single down. We know what's coming. They're going to let you do what you want to do at practice. And you get to play with your two brothers and he's expressed how much he's wanted to do that. Buy or sell JJ Watt going to the greatest franchise in NFL history, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, uh, Part of me wants to buy it. Part of me wants to sell it. Take out bias. bias. I'm uh, see, even without it, (laughs) I go, I go sell. And, and the reason I say that, the reason I say that is just due to the fact that, yeah, he wants to play with his brothers. But watching what happened last year, 
in that clutch moment in the big time. And and I know it's it's hard to hear. Oh, what Marquis Pouncey snapping the ball over bias, freaking bias out of it. Head. Bias out of it. A, a tough defensive game, no matter what. I I just think there's for him. I would wait, go play one more year somewhere, and then maybe go to Pittsburgh for your Could last you imagine, season. Like, though, like Steph- retire there. Could you imagine not- Stephon it, J.J. Watt at the defensive tackles with Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt on the outsides all coming at you? How would your boy Joe Burrow handle that, dude? That would be insane. With Devin Bush coming pass. back off of an ACL injury to lead the defense at linebacker with still Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden. Oh, my gosh. That would be wild. I will say if you're blitzing all of them, Joe Burrow will handle it better than peg leg. Roethlisberger. Okay, that's well, what we wouldn't have say. to blitz all of them because the straight four pass rushers would get the job done. Hey, that's but, this podcast is not an argument cast. Okay, I, right. we could do this for days. It's a Pittsburgh endorsement podcast. It, well, it's it's a pretty <laughs> bad job right now. But um, so I'll throw you another Just wait one till baseball division. Oh, well, I don't have to wait for that. We got two weeks, and that's not even an argument anymore. You know, I mean, I don't, we can get into that in a few minutes. I'll, I'll make sure to bring it up. Um, we'll stick in the division. I believe this is probably one of the best fits for him due to the, the youth of the team where the offense is headed, the defense is on a rise. Yeah, there's been some downs, but I, I believe that he can help a ton and maybe bump this team a peg or two in a season if they get one more piece around him and the offense runs again the same way, I'm going to go Cleveland. I think they got a chance if he joins. Yeah, I'm going to sell that, but I understand where you're coming from. So I see it as this. From a team perspective and from the Browns' perspective, J.J. Wall would be perfect for what they need. Get somebody next to Miles Garrett, get another pass rusher, which they need. From a team perspective, that's awesome. But if I'm J.J. Watt, do I think the Cleveland Browns are Super Bowl contenders now with teams like the Chiefs and the Bills in the AFC and yeah. tough teams in my own division? I don't think Cleveland is a uh, playoff team. Well, they yeah, just I made the they playoffs well. for the first time since before we were born in an over 500 record since 2002. I'm still not sold on this Cleveland team. I want to see another what at least a year, probably two years before I would consider them in the Super Bowl window because with Baker – even though he had a great year this year, you never really know with Baker. He's had a terrible, even though he had a bunch of stuff going on in the front office and change of coaches and things like that, you still don't know. And at the end of the day, it's still just the Cleveland Browns. If I'm J.J. Watt, I just – I will – in my – if I'm obviously I'm not J.J. Watt, but if it was my decision, I just wouldn't trust Cleveland to be able to get the job done for me. And I wouldn't you- put – I wouldn't put my goal in a Super Bowl – into the faith of the Cleveland Browns right now. That's just if I want to go win a Super Bowl, that's not the team I would go to. Did you say did you say it's just the Browns? Because it sounds very similar to something I've heard once before. And we okay. saw how it turned out the first time. But I'm just curious on what exactly the verbiage there was because that can come back to haunt you. Yeah. So first off, Chase Claypool, uh, okay. Smith Schuster, please shut your mouth after you lose a game. There's no reason for you guys to keep talking. <laughs> Second of all, I didn't even think about that when I said it. 
it's like it hey, is though it's, it's just the it, runs, like, it runs in the fan base i guess they're just so inconsistent i just wouldn't want to put my goal of winning a super bowl into the hands of the cleveland browns i just wouldn't want to do that after no, one look, good year i just wouldn't want to do that look after an argument after an argument of Bengals steelers we can come together as a fan here and say that we would like to see the browns not win a single game but yeah that's I mean can we get two oh and sixteen seasons in a matter of five years? I'm I'm definitely down for that. Highly unlikely. But <laughs> I'm I'm ready for team two. Throw it to me. Let's hear it. All right. So the first team I gave you had to do with family ties. And the yes. second team I'm giving you is hometown ties. Grew up in Wisconsin. He went to Wisconsin, was an absolute stud at Wisconsin in Green Bay could really use a pass rusher and another star yeah and that would be him going home and it's a great fit like i said they need a pass rusher that's a team that has their super bowl window right now you've got aaron Rodgers, a top three quarterback in the nfl in my opinion and so i think it would i think it would work so what do you think about green bay because oh and also we've noticed green bay's run defense is not good and jj watt could definitely stock up the line a little bit to help with the run defense so what do you think about green bay i'm gonna buy it I think that that's a huge, like you said, that's a big run defense that comes in big time in the big moments. You need it. But I also think for two reasons, close to home, closer to his his wife. I mean, that's a huge thing there. Yeah, you have a home in Texas, which you don't have to get rid of. You're going to play a season, maybe two somewhere else, get a condo, rent. I mean, you got enough money to be okay but on the field I think that's a very good place for him to be with Aaron Rodgers last season Devontae Adams last season their offense is proven the defense has a decent secondary the they got a good linebacking core but like you said that run defense the front four needs to be improved and I think you can start the improvement process with J.J. Watt yeah, that front four brought like no pressure or caused no. like any no. type of pressure on a quarterback last season. So that's definitely something you need. But one more thing on Green Bay, what do you think they're going to do with Aaron Jones? I think they're going to let him walk and draft because we've seen that these long-term running back contracts don't work out too well. You think they'll sign him or let him go? Hey, you know my thoughts on it. 29th pick, let the 30-something million walk, yeah. draft Najee Harris at 29. <laughs> yeah. That uh, is your yeah. best move. I'm I agree t- with that, that too. That is – I've said it from the first time we mentioned it. That's the best move for Green Bay's money. You yep. can have you have enough to get JJ then and sign him for a little more than you want. Yep. Plus, you can go get and and a Kenny, a Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones Jr., even an Allen Robinson or Will Fuller that costs a little bit more that you're not spending on a running back anymore. Yeah, you got no, a that was- contract. Go boost it. Yeah, I love that point you just made. That was actually something I was going to say. You let that contract walk and you don't pay him, that gives you money to go pay another wide receiver to help out Aaron Rodgers, which you guys have never given him in the last five to ten years. Exactly. You know, I would, But we may see them draft a quarterback at 29. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for him this year. <laughs> they draft another quarterback. Honestly, honestly I think this was, this was a season for Aaron Rodgers. He was like, go ahead and draft another one. That pissed me off. Watch this. <laughs> MVP season. <laughs> Suck it. Uh, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, but what are you thinking in the front office right now? Are you like, hmm, I'm kind of tempted to draft one just to see, you know, well, I mean, 
because dude the thing with that pick which it obviously it's been talked about so many times but you're in the Super Bowl window why are and like when you drafted the quarterback you said he wouldn't be ready to play for like at least another two to three years why are you not in the now like you can't have won two Super Bowls in 25 years with your quarterbacks being Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers that's pitiful like that is flat out pitiful only winning two Super Bowls with those two Hall of Fame quarterbacks the two of the best arms the NFL has ever seen Dave, I, dude, I hope for Aaron Rodgers' sake because it really, it was really cool watching him on the Pat McAfee show this year like and really getting to see his perspective and stuff like that every Tuesday with his interviews. I hope he gets some weapons because they have really just not done him any favors over the last couple years. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this one out there, and I'll give you a little bit of back so I don't even have to hit it when you're done. I want to hear yours. Tennessee Titans, okay? One big, big piece away on defense. You got King Henry on the offense. You maybe get a better quarterback that can be the the guy after Tannehill or take it from Tannehill, which I don't think Tannehill's a bad quarterback. Yeah, I like Tannehill. But I don't think he's a franchise guy. He's not going to necessarily take you to the Super Bowl, which we've seen that Derrick Henry gets too much of the load sometimes, in my opinion. You need the quarterback. But Yeah, I can see for, that. To Watt's point, I think Titans is a place for him. Defensively, they need a one more offensive or defensive line to stop the run. Get back there, bring some pressure. Maybe take the eyes off of the linebacker in Evans. And he has ties with Vrabel. You know he loves Vrabel. So that's just my thing. Yeah, so I'll buy it, but it is kind of tricky. Because that would be putting J.J. Watt on one side of the line and Jadavion Clowney on the other end of the line. And both of them are extremely injury prone. And so that would be kind of putting all your eggs into two baskets that are likely to have the bottom fall out and all the eggs break, if you uh, if you can yeah, follow I mean, that metaphor. But that um, was, we're, we're, we're a little far from Easter for that metaphor, but I'll, I'll hang with you on it. <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, Mike Rabel today confirmed that he has talked to J.J. Watt. Mike Rabel was on the Texans' defensive staff for four seasons, three of those as the linebackers coach, and then the last one as the defensive coordinator. So he's worked with J.J. Watt. He knows J.J. Watt. And I'll buy that at the end of the day because they do need another pass rusher. They need another somebody to create pressure on the offense. And Nashville's a nice place to live. It's a good city. And it's not Texas, obviously, but, like, if it's you close were to enough. find it, if you always going to say if you were to find a city outside of Texas that was like Texas, Nashville would probably be right up there. And so yeah. it's not going to be like he an go, extreme type of different. He gets place spend of off days at Country Music Hall of Fame. That'd be cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, I'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy it though because I do. I think it's a good fit both ways. They can afford it. There's, oh, their Super Bowl windows sort of open. I don't. No, it's, it's cracked. Closed. The door is it, cracked. It's cracked. Yeah, it's cracked. It's not open, but yeah, you can say it's cracked. They could get like lucky, it, not lucky, but oh, dude, it's tough because like I can see <laughs> situations where it can happen, but then if I'm looking, I'm like, no way. But if they improve the defense some more, it's definitely possible. But they would definitely be one of those teams that are more of a system team, like San Francisco, yeah, that makes it to the yep. Super Bowl than like a star talent team, like the Bucks and the Chiefs were this past year. Yeah, I, I agree. So, and to wrap it up, my last team, speaking of a star-studded team. So, Uh-oh. 
I don't know if this is going to happen. I'm, this isn't my favorite pick, but a lot of veterans have been talking about going ring chasing, going down there to the Tampa Brady, Tampa Brady, Gronk and Nears <laughs> and hooking up down there with Tom and an option, which I thought this was very viable. If Shaquille Barrett wants more money than the bucks are willing to pay him and he walks, why not give JJ Watt a one or two year contract to take over that spot? So buy or sell Tampa Bay. I'm going to buy it. And here's why. We saw what that defense did in the Super Bowl. They ran the right right defense. They one of the best looking defenses against the Chiefs that we've seen in two years, really. Um, and I don't think sitting with Bruce Aarons, you could sit down with him and be like, "Hey, do you think it's a bad move?" It's never a bad move to sign a Pro Bowler and a Defensive Player of the Year three times i mean that's never yeah. a bad move you know go ahead draft him you're comfortable with that draft pick or, or uh that signing and then plug him in play like you said that's a, a plug in play yeah just like it would be if he went to pittsburgh he may not yeah. be with his brothers but he's more of an opportunity to win the super bowl i believe just knowing how they run if Gronk leaves, get a tight end. If Shaquille leaves, Watt's in there. If Shaquille stays, Watt plugs in plays. So you're going to be able to give Barrett some plays off to where he's yeah. he's 100% all game. You know, that's that's a scary thought in, in yeah. my head a little bit is to be able to give Barrett a playoff or two plays off and not worry about the backup screwing up because it's J.J. Watt. Yeah, that would be terrifying. But one other team that I've heard reports about that would, at least for both of us, I think I can speak for, would be even more terrifying is that Watt would fit in very well with the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think I could deal with watching such a great guy going to such a trashy team in a trashy city wearing that stupid purple and black jerseys that they have over there in Baltimore. I, I, I just couldn't deal with it. What about I would, What do you think? I do. There's I no way I could not watch J.J. Watt and be like happy to see him in a Baltimore jersey. Because, I mean, the it, fit does make sense, but I, I I just I can't do it. No way. My head hurts <laughs> and my heart is heavy thinking about it because it's such a, a, a person, a Walter Payton man of the year, a, a human being that goes around, breaks a kid's bike, buys him a new one, complete accident. He's a, a funny yeah. dude on and off the field. He's he's fun to watch. And then he puts on purple and it makes me want to throw up. It's yeah, it just a gross thing to think about. Yeah. Like if you're going to go to a team, I'd, I'd, and I, I stand by what I'm about to say. I would rather watch him put on black and yellow than purple. And that is a fact statement. I will never take that back. I'd rather see him go play with the zappers of Johnny Manziel. That's almost worse than the Ravens to me. <laughs> How'd you spend so, your last year of football with Johnny Manziel and the zappers? <laughs> Ugh. So my last question for you, this, we just covered seven teams right there. Who are your two favorites? Like if you had to put money on two teams, who would you pick? I'm going to take the Bills one yeah. and Packers two. Yeah, I'm going to take Packers and Tennessee. There's something to that Tennessee talk with Brable that they sometimes mm -hmm. get those surprising free agents. So it, yeah, it would like not. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise. That was a good pick on your part. It wouldn't surprise it, me if. Yeah. Uh, if I know that it. that was a sneak one for you. I knew you weren't thinking about it. Yeah, so but that's where talking, that goes. But now, yeah, talking, you got a little mock draft you want to look at, right? I do. We want to go 
back into, and we've talked about it before, Daniel Jeremiah. Can I introduce him? I want to go look. Daniel Jeremiah, star quarterback for the Appalachian State Mountaineers, Roll Nears, baby, works for NFL Network, absolute stud. All right. Are you good now? Did you get it out and you're done? I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right. We're back to the real world. We're on. Back to sophistication. Let me put my tie back on after you just messed it up. Um, uh, This draft that we looked at, we looked at his first one, wasn't a fan. This one, I'm a little bit better on. I don't, and I don't, it's not just him. I hate Zach Wilson at, at number two to the Jets. But I, I thought hate you were just going to straight up say I hate Zach Wilson. <laughs> no, no, I, I think I think he's a fine quarterback. I don't know him, but I don't think that I could throw him being a BYU quarterback, not playing many high talented teams, and he plays Coastal. And no offense to Coastal, but come on, let's be realistic. No, all, all offense. If you lose a game undefeated to an, a Coastal team, that in all regards is having a lucky season to an extent, you lose that game, you should never be in the top five Yeah, in my head. I, don't, I didn't see anything at all this year that was like, wow, that's, that's one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. Like, he should go number two. I didn't, I didn't see that. In my opinion, Justin Fields is the best quarterback in this draft. Trevor Lawrence is number two. But I just think that there's going to be a lot of struggle between – Lawrence and Wilson. I think the most pro ready is Fields because the escapability, the arm talent on the run, the ability to manage a team, and never if you watch yeah, the guy but go down. But his head. I mean, I, he gets stuck staring at his number one receiver a little too he long. Does. Sometimes. He doesn't him, go through I, his I progressions mean, as quick as he should or as crisp as yeah, he but, should. But if you sit there and you watch that in a OTAs, you can have that fixed by game three of the preseason, you know, that's easy, easy fix. Just say, yeah. Hey, Justin, this is what you're doing on film. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that Lawrence does better than fields or fields does better than Lawrence, but from pro from strength to weakness, I think Justin Fields' strengths list is longer than Lawrence. Lawrence has intangibles. He's got the size, he's got the build, but, and this is, I heard this the other day. He came in at six, five and three quarters. Now, I want, you can go ahead and, and look. The six, six group is like um, Trey Sermon or somebody like um, Trevor. No, Sermon. it's um, Paxton Lynch. Simeon. Paxton Simeon. Lynch. It's all the yeah, Broncos quarterbacks, Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Denver's yeah, had Brock so many. Osweiler. Dude, those three quarterbacks Denver's had over yeah. six six in the last. It's just the last yeah. five years. And 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 <laughs> I, I want to ask you this before I move on from the quarterbacks and go more down the list. Where is like give me a player comparison? <clears throat> you see like the peak for Lawrence. Peyton Manning. That's um. That's what I see as his peak. Remember, we're talking peak here. Okay, so the best yeah, yeah, no, that hey, Trevor Lawrence hey, I, can I be, understand. I see his best being like Peyton Manning's best. Peyton Manning was a big guy too. Went to a blue chip okay. school, big school, a lot of talent yeah. around him. Came out first overall pick, orange school. Also Clemson, Tennessee, both orange. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I can see Trevor Lawrence. 
I think he's going to be good. It's just going to be interesting, like I, we've talked about before, to see what Urban Meyer can do down there in Jacksonville. Yeah. First time being an NFL well, head Meyer coach. Was like we said. Day. Yeah, yeah, he was right and next he to was, McShay, dude. and he couldn't – dude, he was literally holding Trevor Lawrence's pocket the whole entire time. Dude, like, he right was, there. <laughs> he, was, he was big boy everybody else there. Like, and let's be yeah. realistic also. If you're sitting there, if you're the Jets or you're Miami, why, 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 why are you at his pro day? dude there were 17 teams there were 17 teams like i get i get it they were maybe looking at a wide receiver unless unless you're the gm uh unless you offer me your your franchise i'm not selling the number one pick yeah that's it's just not happening yeah especially when you know the talent that's there but peyton manning all right what do you see the the peak for zach wilson see so that's where it gets interesting if I had to give a comp to Zach Wilson right now, he's like he's got an arm that he can throw. He's got a little bit of mobility. What he reminds me of during last year's draft process is Jordan Love, who Green Bay drafted. He's extremely raw. He's got an he's got a cannon for an arm and he can run, but he lacks accuracy and he lacks decision making sometimes. And I will never be able to get the picture out of my head where he is wearing the headband that says anytime, any place. For Coastal Carolina, and then ends up going to Coastal and loses that game. But, yeah, that was funny. But yeah, his but peak. You know, I could the best see thing him. is watching stuff like that, and then watching how it ages over like a yeah, month. Yeah, it's awesome. Kind of like just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you saw last night, but the Miami Heat Twitter account was talking crap about <laughs> Steph Curry at halftime when they were down by like fifteen, and then the Warriors came back and won. Just stuff, just little things, you know. But yeah, yeah. so. I can compare Zach Wilson to Love a lot, just like from his straight up playing style, even though Love hasn't done anything. I think they were similar quarterbacks in college. Just Wilson had a better coach, better people around him at BYU because that's more of a football school than Utah State. But if you're talking his peak, I mean, I could see him like he's going to play like a Russell Wilson-esque type of football. I think like at his peak. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't I still he just seemed to get so much hype like out of nowhere. I don't really understand what like I see what I see in him. When he was at BYU, but BYU is not in a major football conference. No. Like they weren't playing studs. Like nope. I still like we've talked about it all the time, and both of us are just absolutely mind blown that Justin Fields went from like easily your opinion first, but most people's opinion is the second best quarterback to losing in the na- and blowing out Trevor Lawrence to losing yeah. in the national championship game and dropping down to the third and sometimes the fourth. Like if I don't understand that yeah, at I mean, all like he didn't nothing happened there were no serious medical things that happened to him like yeah he didn't have to get shoulder surgery on his right arm for the life of me i don't understand what happened with justin so fields with these talking uh, talking members. about talking about fields what's the peak a field player peak yeah oh oh i gotta think of a comp for fields justin fields so I'm not going to say Russell Wilson, even though I could also kind of see him being a Russell Wilson type yeah, quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if he throws on the run or is this like he's bigger than Russ. Russ is small. Russ is 5'11. Yeah. He's a lot bigger yeah. and more stout than Russ, which is kind of why I have an issue comparing him to uh, Russ. But if I had to pick, man, that's tough. Uh, so oh, I could almost go like he's more athletic than him, but arm wise and just the stature of his body, almost maybe like a Matt Stafford or something like that. Like up northern, mm-hmm. northern type guy, tough guy. Obviously, they're both yeah. tough, played through dislocated shoulders, played through broken, fractured ribs and just their stature, the way they look and the way they kind of play. Like I said, fields can move around a little bit more, 
but arm talent wise and everything and just the way their bodies are built and where they're from and how they play, I could see a little bit of Matt Stafford there. Yeah, I could see it. I could be on board with that. Fields is tough though. Cause he's got the body of like a Cam Newton, but he can throw way better than Cam ever could. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would give, and it's going to sound a little bit off at first, but let it sink in a little bit. I would give Fields more of a comparison to Brett Favre. Okay. Well, he's definitely more because, mobile than Brett Favre. Well, but he doesn't necessarily – that's not his first instinct, you know. Like yeah. Russ, in peak Russ years, Russ would look, one, two, take off. Favre yeah. was one, two, okay, move over a little bit, throw the ball. You know, and I th- yeah. think that's where Fields is. But Yeah, well, yeah. real quick, another guy that was super tough that – if we're talking about a little bit older guys, I could see like a Kurt Warner type guy too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely not opposed to that one. A and, I think, I, and I think like, I think the peak peak of he could, well, even though we're talking about peaks, he could also, if he does decide to start running more and he can really become perfect on both ends, that could be a very John LAS quarterback too. Yeah. I was looking at that. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, I didn't think about Elway at first, but after seeing that, yeah, I could definitely see him, a little Elway. In yeah, there. yeah. So another guy I want to talk about, or there's actually a couple guys real quick in this top 10 that I want to draft to talk about that I'm going to toss to you mm-hmm. all at once right now. So your Bengals are drafting Penny Sewell. My first yeah, question is, like how that. do you feel? I was going to say, how do you feel about that, that he set out for a year? Well, is he going to come back and be able to play healthy? And then second of all, right after that, Kyle Pitts going to Philadelphia and then Trey Lance yeah, they have you, going to Carolina. Yeah, you know, you know my, my opinion. Um too well, I like it. I don't necessarily like that he sat out a year. And the only the the only thing I don't fully like is how much better is he than the best than the next best lineman, you know, versus how like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith are, I wouldn't say so much better, but they're a good bit better than the next receiver, you know? Yeah. But how much better is Panay Sewell after sitting out a year? How much better is he than Alex Leatherwood and DeAndre Brown and Rashad Slater? You know what I mean? So it's like, do I do I take an offensive lineman at five or – do I go get Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith at five and then draft a early second round uh, offensive lineman? Yeah, if you I'm know? the Bengals, I have to go after seeing what happened to Joe Burrow. You don't want him to be the next Andrew Luck just getting beat up all the time. No, like, yeah. You have it, to draft him. In think... my opinion, you have to draft an offensive lineman. It's just whether you go with a guy that played last year or you go with Penny Sewell, who has the yeah, highest but I, I also like, think but didn't play. It depends on the free agency, too, a little bit. You know, like if we go get Trent Williams, if he goes out to the free agency, if we go get two big time guys to go with Billy Price or yeah, Billy Price, then maybe, maybe, yeah, I would say take Sewell. So you got a good offensive line. You're comfortable with that. You give Burrow some time, you go sign a free agent receiver, Yeah, you know, but T Higgins is number two. Tyler Boyd's number one. That's a yeah. fact. We may go get, we go sign a good number three or a sneaky number two and yeah. put Tyler Boyd in the slot. But because AJ, AJ Green's a free said, agent, he's gone, right? Yeah, we let yeah they let him we let him yeah. walk. Yeah, I would too. I'm good with that. He's but old and hurt. Six Kyle Pitts. I don't like that there. Now 
He's one of the best athletes in this draft, in my opinion. But Dallas Gobert is still there. And I still think they need a good, like you said, we were talking about earlier, Alshon and Deshaun Jackson. They need an elite young receiver. Yeah, right? and not even – they don't even have to be good, all right? They just have to be somebody that plays more games than they miss every season. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's to, – yeah, to an extent, that's exactly right. But – and I would almost say this. If the Panthers sneak out a trade that we'll get to in a minute <clears throat> to Sean Watson, if they can sneak that, I would almost say at eight, they could think about Kyle Pitts. Yeah, because it it fits their offense better, in my opinion. You know, their two receivers this year with Teddy, they were one and two for a little while on the receiving list. And I think Eagles need weapons on the outside for Hurts to feel comfortable because you got Miles Sanders. You can hand the ball off those green pass, but you don't feel comfortable rolling out and heaving the ball deep to Jalen Rager or Deshaun anymore. You know, it's just not the same. Yeah, so I don't think we've agreed on a single take that has to do with the Philadelphia Eagles since we started this whole thing. Because <laughs> I love Kyle Pitts Probably going not. to the Eagles. Like you said, he's the best athlete possibly in the draft. Offensive athlete for sure, in my opinion. And um, he's just going to be a weapon out there. And I think he would be great in Philly. He's going to give Jalen Hurts a big guy that he can be reliable and throw to. Like the 49ers have Kittle to throw to. Mahomes before anybody else had Kelsey to throw to. Yeah, but this he's Kyle Pitts, in my opinion, he's more of a receiver that plays tight end, not a tight end that plays Either receiver. Either way, you know what that I mean? works. That gives him a weapon, and he's big, and it doesn't – I know he did get hurt for a game or two this past year in college. Yeah, but, but it, was, it wasn't like a massive injury. You know, it was yeah, exactly. Was so, like, like a, he seems like he's going to be able to stay healthy, though. So, I do like that. And then on your point, though, where if he does – if Carolina if, – uh, if he does fall to like a Carolina type spot and they don't draft a quarterback, which I don't see, they could definitely be looking to replace Ian Thomas at tight end because Ian Thomas is not done great. But Jeremiah has the Panthers drafting Trey Lance. And we don't need to talk about it for too long because we've talked about it before. But I still just I don't understand the hype about Trey Lance. He looked like good in the FCS last year and he played only one game this year and he looked terrible. I, I just don't understand the hype about drafting him in the first round. He's like a Jordan Love type guy. Like he's going to be two or three years, and I wouldn't have taken Jordan Love till the second or third round either. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not super high on that just because I, I don't think that that's one that may pay off, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a lot so, more uncertainty than certainty. Yeah, and, and I want to come back to your point because – I'll stand with you on it in the pits. He's big target. So it's a little bit different. Kelsey's 260 pounds. Kittle's 249 and Pitts is 240. Okay. But the athletic ability between the three goes to Pitts, right? That's the, the key there. Pitts is also six, six, which is, is huge. Yeah. But what the other two have that I haven't seen watching Pitts and that I think Philadelphia will need is blocking ability. Yeah. You know, what if he has to stay in too? Yeah. But if he has to stay in on a blocking assignment and he gets beat, you just wasted your number six on a guy that can basically a six, six oversized receiver. Yeah. You know, but 
I don't know if that's a bad pick. It's a good pick. I just wouldn't take it at six. Yeah, I had actually talked about earlier today with somebody that um, Philadelphia could low-key like trade down maybe and still be able to get him if they're looking at him at maybe like a trade 9 or a 10, like trade with Dallas or Denver or something like yeah, that. See, I don't – and the only reason I wouldn't trade with Dallas is because Dallas is – if they don't take a defensive guy, they may take a tight end. They would be stupid to do that. They already drafted CeeDee Lamb when they didn't need him last year. They've got Gallup, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Ezekiel, El- like they got to put that yeah, but they want, together. They got to draft like a that, Patrick Certain, a Micah Parsons, yeah. or something like yeah, that. No, I, I would I would agree, but I just you know how they like to play it out there. They're offensive yeah. heavy. But Jerry that's why Jones, they struggle sometimes. Yeah, Jerry Jones does what I like to call. He gets lost in the sauce down there in Dallas. Why do you why do you don't do that? <laughs> Don't do that. Um, so, <clears throat> another quarterback but, that's got a, a ton of sauce as we're talking about that word. Oh, my God. Is Deshaun Watson. And the Panthers have reportedly awful. offered three first-round draft picks, Teddy Bridgewater and Christian McCaffrey for Deshaun Watson. But Houston still seems to be holding on tight, which makes sense because if you think about it, Nick Casiero who's coming from New England, just spent a year there where they didn't have a good quarterback, and it was torture for that New England team. Like It was terrible to watch. And now he's coming into a situation where he's got a, depending how you have him, top five, top ten quarterback in the NFL, and why would he want to come in and immediately trade him? And so I can see it from his perspective because he's new to the Texans. He's new to the whole organization. He hasn't been a part of the people that have not been doing any services to Deshaun. But then looking at it from the Panthers' perspective, three first-round picks, Bridgewater and McCaffrey. So Bridgewater is an obvious because they're going to need a quarterback in return. And a lot of people have been hung up on McCaffrey. And if you really think about it, what is Christian McCaffrey going to be three to four years from now? He's going to be on the decline. He's going to be nearing retirement. He's not going to be the same person. What is Deshaun Watson going to be three to four years from now? Still under 30, 31 years old, still in his prime still a quarterback that you can build around and be your franchise quarterback. So I would do the trade, except tell me what you think about this. I don't like the three first-round picks. I think three first-round picks plus Christian McCaffrey is a little too much. I'd be fine with two, Christian and Teddy Bridgewater, and maybe if they want like a third or fourth, throw that in. But I think three three first-round picks is a lot. That's like that's three years in a row without a certified starter because that's what first-rounders are typically, are certified starters. Yeah, I I could see two or three in Teddy. But I want to come back to a point you made earlier for the now, play for the now. And I don't know if getting this trade and and getting Deshaun is focusing on the now. In my opinion. Well, the Panthers aren't building for the now. Like, in my opinion, I don't think the Panthers will be ready with Christian McCaffrey still in his prime to win a Super Bowl or anything like that. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, but, and we talked about this earlier, too, with Mike Davis. You know, I mean, that's a good point earlier you made. I think it was even before the show. Yeah, it was before the pod, yeah. But it was just like running backs don't typically work after that first contract. And, like, you could see Mike Davis plug and played, like, just fine. I'm just trying to look into the future because the Panthers aren't in a Super Bowl window right now. Their defense just isn't there. And Curtis Samuel's a free agent, so we don't know what's going to happen with him yet either. And yeah, I, I mean, just, I think I think he comes back, but I think that he – if you trade McCaffrey, 
I think he's going to split time in the backfield. Curtis Samuel will. They used him a bunch last year inside in red zone, little quick handoffs. They, I mean, he got a lot more in the backfield than I had expected or even what I thought when the season started. Yeah. But uh, it's just, it's, I don't know. I can't put my head around getting Deshaun for what they are thinking about giving up, you know? Yeah. Like I said, the Christian McCaffrey part, I'm kind of accepting. Like I said, I'm fine with it because in three years, he's going to be not washed up, but he's going to be getting there. And Watson will still be in his prime. But, dude, something I just thought about, which I have never thought about this before until this moment. So who's the new head coach of the Jaguars? Urban Meyer, right? He's drafting Trevor Lawrence, trying to assemble some guys. Who did Curtis Samuel play under at Jacksonville? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer could definitely give a very uh, very entertaining sales pitch to Curtis Samuel and persuasive sales pitch to try and get him down to Jacksonville, which I've never thought about before until now. What do you think about that? I'm not saying it's going to happen or I think it's going to happen, but I think that would definitely be something Curtis Samuel would take a listen to. Be like, hey, come down to Jacksonville, play with this new stud, Trevor Lawrence. You're going to be our number one or two guy. He's not a number one, but that's how Urban can pitch it to him. And just yeah. of that nature. I've never thought about that know. until now. I think that's well, extremely interesting. The only reason I would say no to that is think about the receivers Lawrence had at Clemson, right? They're not majority of the time small, quick slant type hitters. They're deep ball. Let me take three steps and throw it up and you go get it. T. Higgins, can definitely get the deep ball. He's fast. Yeah, but what I'm saying is for Curtis to get a deep ball, it's on a spot. He's going to run under it. He may not out jump a 6'2 receiver or a 6'2 cornerback. T. Higgins could. Justin Ross could. I mean, all those guys could. So, to me, I, I don't know if that's the guy, the first guy I'm going to bring in to try and be with Trevor Lawrence. I would maybe try and find a bigger a bigger receiver, you know, like a a taller, bigger bodied yeah, possession like a, type. Like a Galladay or something like that. Yeah, yeah, like a possession type, maybe a goal line type receiver that just deep ball, catch the ball, go to the ground, get your 15 <laughs> yards, whatever. But yeah, I don't know if Curtis is the right fit, in my opinion, for the first – now. If you go get a bigger guy and then Curtis is still there a week in, yeah, maybe I say if you get Galladay and Curtis, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, a good pick. It's something fun. They can try it, they can be back together. But I think he likes playing in Carolina too much to just leave to be a slot or a backup, you know. Yeah, like I said, I just never thought about that before. Not that uh I put any stock in it, but that was just something I never thought about. So Speaking of something I never thought about, here is something that I have thought about. Imagine being the captain of an NBA all-star team and getting to pick your team. Well, Kevin Durant and LeBron James both have the honor of doing that this year. So me and Drew thought it would be a lot of fun if we decided to draft our team because they've announced the starters or just waiting on the draft. So Drew is going to be team KD, Kevin Durant, and I'm going to be team LeBron. Yes, sir. And from a predetermined game that me and Drew played where he dishonestly won, he will be getting the first overall pick. <laughs> he will be getting the first overall pick 
in the 2021 pickup all-star draft. And I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about it a lot, okay, throughout the night. And we see how all-star games are played. If I'm KD, I'm sitting here. My first pick, I'm taking Steph Curry. Taking Steph? Yeah. Good old teammate. Those two were awesome to watch back in the day. Mm-hmm. So if I'm LeBron James, all right, this is trying to be – LeBron's really trying to get his, like, career accolades built up. He's obviously pushing for the MVP this year. Winning well, let's just make is, a pick. What do you think, huh? Winning what is now called the Kobe <laughs> Bryant Award, which is the MVP of the All-Star Game Award. He's definitely going to want to win another one of those. The thing that's tough with me is, like, the best players in the draft are kind of his rivals or people he doesn't necessarily like. Like, Giannis is a rival. Kwai's a rival. Kyrie's like we already know that situation. Okay, but you got two left to get these from. <laughs> gosh, I'm gonna take Bradley Beal first over. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I think he'd take Kawhi. I'm taking Kawhi the first pick. All right, I'm gonna I, honestly down. real quick, real quick. I think Paul George got kind of dissed. He's got better stats than Kawhi Leonard this year. I think like if either of them got in, I think it should have been Paul, not Kawhi. But I'll still take Kawhi first overall. I'll jump down and take Giannis then. Giannis? Okay, so you got your guard and two forwards. And I've got two forwards, so I need a guard. Gosh, I don't want to do it. I want to take Kyrie so bad, but I don't know if in real life. What, what, do you think LeBron would take Kyrie? I do. But I can't tell you who to take. So I know. Bad. We'll take Kyrie. We'll take him. Kyrie, Kyrie, Braun, and Leonard so far. All right. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and finish my big man, and I'm taking Joel Embiid. Oh, I wanted him. Should have taken him. Yeah. Oh. Well, you're not going to take Jokic because you don't need another center. So I've got my pick of Luka and Bradley Beal right now. And Luka Doncic, I'm sorry. I love him, but he does not deserve to be an all-star this year. So I'm going to go Bradley Beal. All right. I'm going to finish it off with Luka. And then I got Jokic. So that would be Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, and Nikola Jokic. Yes, versus Steph, Luka, KD, Giannis, and Embiid. And that very well could be the way the chips fall. I could definitely yeah. see something like that happening. And I mean, it doesn't really matter what situation you put it in. It's going to be <laughs> think, a great game. I think Kawhi or uh, Kyrie's a little bit upset if Kevin doesn't take him. <laughs> Yeah, Kyrie might request a trade if he doesn't get taken first overall. He's gonna, sit, he's gonna sit out a couple of games. <laughs> he's gonna sit some games out. But he's gonna speaking take of six game your, hiatus. <laughs> your, your point, your point of Paul George should have been in. I'll tell you another one who I think should have been in is Julius Randle. As okay? a starter? No, no, maybe not as a starter, but he definitely should have he deserves he, yeah, he should deserves be the all star game, but not a starter. He, well, he I mean, hey, he's a he's playing really well. You know, he is. No, he definitely He's having is. career highs. I mean, everything is – well, most of it's career high. Three-point career high. Points per game, career high. Minutes, career high. Rebounds, career high. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, assists, he's averaging, he's averaging a double-double, 23 points. Yeah. Basically 11 boards, 48% shooting, forty almost 41 from the three and 80 from the field. And like yeah. you said, all of those up from his career averages – He's up nine yeah. percent from three. He's up seven percent from the free throw line. He's up two and a half from assists. He's up 
921 not great at math he's of eight points first points <laughs> per game for his career and he's really put this Knicks team on his back and Tom Thibodeau the yeah. Knicks coach has really been doing some good things over there in New York nobody expected the Knicks to be a top nine seed in the east like they are right now no and and you know who has not been doing a good job who do you want to do you want to take a guess or you want me to just come and tell you um you can go ahead and tell me Draymond Green. Oh, wow. Are we going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about him a while ago, a couple episodes ago. Still not any better. Still only averaging two field goals a game, 5.2 points a game. He's shooting. Drew. All right, Drew. I, I want you to I want you to take a guess. All right. So how old were we when we met each other? Uh, 15? 15, yeah. If you had three to that, that's Draymond Green's three-point field goal percentage, 18%. 18%. Thanks for, thanks for telling me because I wouldn't, <laughs> I didn't really want to do that math. 18% from three, 36% from the field, and 67% from the free throw line with five points, five boards, and eight assists. I mean, good yeah, lord. No, he's, he's... Like, he's still playing, like, quality ball, but it's not Draymond Green. I was talking earlier with somebody like he could be a role player, more of a role player with a team where it was like Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant and all those stars. But now that he is one of like the main players on the team, he can't be declining right now. Like he's declining. He needed to take another step up last season and this season, not a step down, which is what he's doing. Yeah, no, it's definitely. Well, and his off court stuff, he's more worried about what's going on with Andre Drummond and Cleveland than worrying about putting more than five points on the board a game. Like, come on, dude. Focus on on your team and your winning ability and your ability to play basketball because Drummond asked to not play. He was like, I don't want to play. And if you're an organization, you also have the right to save a player to get a better trade. Like, if you looked at me right now and was like, I want to do a different podcast, I'm not going to use you for the next two weeks until somebody's like, we'll take him and we'll give you, cause that's, but that's dumb to be upset about. I mean, Are you saying not, you own me? It's like, that no, I don't. Your disposal I, the point, traded? Is that how this the works? The point of the, <laughs> the story, you know, I also want to say this cause a couple of weeks ago that you said Kelly Oubre was not playing well. His season did in fact turn around. Okay. I want to say that <laughs> he's averaging Career high, 14.2 a game. Wow, 14 points a game. Hey, but you got to think about roles that he's played, okay? Oh, what, 41% shooting and 31 from three? Hey. (laughs) All right, let's compare that. Let's compare that to who I said was better, Andrew Wiggins. 46% from the field, 37 from three, and 17 points per game. Yeah. Give it the rest of the season. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So you know who is not scoring that much is Draymond. Sorry. No, no. But kind of going back to what Draymond said, <laughs> I agree with what he said. Like, I get at the end of the day, like, you are, like, a player for a team, and it is a team aspect. But at the same time, I get what he's saying because I don't think it's fair that when players come out and ask for a trade or say they might want to move or leave in free agency, they get berated by the fans, the city, the owners, the GM, and the team. And But then teams can just hold a player's future in their hands and just be like, hey, you're not playing. Because Anthony Davis got fined $50,000 when he requested a trade out of New Orleans to L.A. 
And I just don't think it's fair that the management of an NBA team can do that. But then as soon as a player asks to be moved, that they're going to get fined for tampering or for some kind yeah, of but, unnecessary. But the problem. team, but the team pays you to play games. You don't play the team or you don't pay the team to keep you there. They pay yeah. you to play games and be a part of their team. They're not asking you to be a baby and sit out. But when you're Anthony Davis and you've been in New Orleans for seven years and you guys haven't done anything for me, why do I still want to be there? I didn't pick to come to New Orleans. I was drafted by you guys. I didn't have a chance or a choice. Yeah, but that's that's part of the the chips. Don't be that good coming out of college. That's I mean, it's (laughs) almost I mean, but you don't you as a player don't get the ability to tell me what I can do with you. I essentially I own the rights to you. That's during the season. I get to tell you when you play, when you don't play. That's how I pay you millions of dollars for you to get on the court unless you are hurt or sick. That's the point. Well, your boy Carson Palmer retired rather than playing for the Bengals so he could leave and go to another team. And if that's what you want to do, Gronk did it. If that's something you want to do, do it. But don't go after everybody sitting at home, sitting in your GM, paying your bills. Don't go after them because you're – upset about how your season's going or what's going on with somebody else's season. That's not your job. Play the game, talk about the game and go to the next one. That's what he's saying though, is it's tough when you're the player though, and you do want to play that game, but the team decides to bench you so that you don't get hurt so that you keep your trade value. Like that's where it gets tough. Then then wait till postseason to ask for a trade. No, but people like Blake Griffin and stuff like that, like they're not out here requesting trades, but the teams know that that player is not going to work for them. And they say, all right, you're not playing until we figure out a move for you because we don't want you to get hurt and ruin all your trade value. So what he's saying is that's not fair that like they can just literally not play you. But then whenever you ask to get traded, you get berated. Yeah, well, it's it's not fair. You make that much money. If you don't want to play, then take a pay cut. I mean, that's the then take a pay cut for the games you sit off. Don't don't get paid. You sit a month until they find something, don't get paid. You know, that's, it's. But what if they want to care what's fair, but they want to play. Yeah. But fair leaves everything. When you enter a professional level and you sign a contract, there's so read the contract. Then I mean, I don't know, but this is, that's ignorant that he got so upset and that involved in something that you can talk about after the season. You can discuss in other times, but to do it in a post game is the wrong time to do that. Go to your front office, go to the PA, I, I, but come on. Yeah, well, we're not going to agree on that, but you can also, no. you've always got to think about that. It is right now in the NBA, it's the era of player movement and player empowerment. And yeah, that's it's players being babies. Tools. It's definitely been Play on the game. scale the last five years. But tonight we actually have a game going on between the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers, which, in my opinion, I think is a finals preview. And even though AD and KD aren't playing, do you think these are the two teams that are most likely going to end up in the finals? Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to predict that right now. I just I still don't think that the Nets have enough defense to be in the finals i don't know if it's going to get them there yeah well andre drummond who we were just talking about who's going to get traded or bought out if he gets bought out he's most yeah he wants to to go 
Yeah. And there's a couple other buyout guys that could end up in Brooklyn, which is just to be interesting. Like the teams aren't finalized yet. Like this isn't the home stretch yet. The trade deadline's not here. So we don't know. But, and I understand the whole defense wins championships. And I do understand that in matchups and everything. But at the same time, you can score 135 points. I was about to say, is there another team in the NBA that could score 140 points for seven games in a row besides the Brooklyn Nets? (laughs) (laughs) Because you can have Kyrie, Katie, and. Um, James all dropped 35 to 40 points in one game and boom, that's 120 points right there. Like, yeah, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's dumb to think that there are people on earth that you could literally not play defense and, and still win the game. Like you could just stand on your side and be like, Oh, throw your hands up and you could yeah. still win. But yeah. I don't know. I think the 76ers definitely have a good chance for sure. For sure. The bucks, if the bucks could find I'm a over consistent, the well, if they can find a consistent shooter, maybe I could see them making a push later Giannis on. Giannis just never took that next step up. He still yeah. can't do, he has no mid-range or three-point game. I think, or, I think his MVP tries to, is – He just tries to barrel through the lane every single time. That's what he does. Yeah. Well, I think those two – Nets and Sixers are definitely going to be fighting for it. And yeah. surprisingly, I think the, the – I, I have some trust in the Jazz right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Donovan the Jazz Mitchell, are the most com- The Jazz are the most complete team in the NBA. Like, man, one through man 12. They're the most complete team, and they're so fun to watch. And with Gobert playing the way that he does, defensive player of the year, in my opinion, front runner again. Donovan Mitchell, an absolute stud. He also, you could argue, was a snub for an all-star starter. Donovan Mitchell very well could have been an all-star starter. But the thing with the Lakers, kind of touching on that one more time, is Anthony Davis did not take the step forward this year that we all thought that he would, kind of like the passing of the torch from like LeBron to AD. Yeah, it definitely I mean, is not. If you look at his stats, his points are down, his blocks are down, his assists are down, his rebounds are down. Literally, I mean, his field goal percentage, three point percentage, literally every single, like, not that they're bad, but they're just still down from like last year and other years. And we yeah. thought he was going to be taking that next step up. And he had that Achilles strain that was bothering him. And then two nights ago, he like, pulled it again and now he's going to be out for like two to three weeks and then like as we saw with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson Achilles's are nothing to mess with and so he's going to be out and he's always been known to be injury prone as it is and that would start scaring me if I were the Lakers that Anthony Davis has kind of fallen back into this injury real yeah. season like that would yeah that wouldn't even scare me that would kind of terrify me because <laughs> you need Anthony Davis you cannot have what Dennis Schroeder being your second best player or Montrez Harrell or no. something and so that Montrez I think I think Montrez is is sneaky good though. He, like you throw he him, can't be your second best player. No, but when your best is LeBron, there's a chance that you're okay with that being your second best. You know, when you have, have people around you that can still score, you feel comfortable throwing it to LeBron, who can throw it to Harold. But yeah. that's just but my defensively opinion. too, it's just a totally different team without Anthony Davis. Totally oh, different. oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, they're getting beat right now by nine. You know, yeah, this will be so as we're talking, Montrez is in there at the five. Yeah, dude, that's what I, I, that's my other thing. I don't think you can run LeBron consistently in the playoffs at four. I think he has to go and run the three. Yeah, he's got to go back at three. And that's why they need AD back so AD can be put at the four. But this game, it'll be interesting because even though KD and AD aren't in it, so it's not like a full matchup. I mean, this is really going to kind of show what the depth or the 
I don't want to call it depth, but what the other players on the Brooklyn Nets team can do against the yeah, what the Champions. game three and four would look like. Yeah, exactly. But so moving moving in a little bit, if if I may move into the MLB, some some new contracts I want to discuss real quick. Trevor Rosenthal just signed with the A's, one year, eleven million, which yep. personally is a Good bit of money for Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, I honestly, kinda, I, I had a kind of caught me a off guard take. to see. Well, it, it caught me off guard to see eleven million next to his name. You know, yeah. because that's not one that you think about as being like, wow, he's worth eleven million. Because last, we'll say what last year he played for two teams last year. Okay, in twenty three games total, one win, eleven saves, uh, and a three two nine ERA which is not yep. great for somebody you want running out of the pen, you know? So no, the A's, not as a closer. He had a, tw- I mean, he had a 22.74 ERA on Washington in 2019 and a 13.5 on Toronto in 2019, along yeah, with a seven in Detroit. Yeah. But they had to do that because Liam Hendricks is gone now, you know? So they had yeah. to get somebody to fill the role, but yeah, honestly, I honestly had to like remember what year I was in when I saw that. I was like, wait, is it back to 2015 or are we it's still yeah, in 2020? Exactly. Yeah. Well, he played with the Padres last year a little bit for nine games. Speaking of the Padres, this is the one everybody was talking about. Nice yesterday. transition there, Drew. You like that? That was smooth. <laughs> I felt good about that one when I said it. And then you cut me off on it. Dang it, Steven. Um, Fernando Tatis, your MLB. The show 2021 Good cover Lord. athlete oh my just signed 14 years, 340 million. And I'll tell you this, I'm not a huge fan. Okay. And and I'll tell you why, because we talked about this before. Mike Trout didn't get his until 26. Yeah. Most people don't get theirs until 26. Now I get it. Tatis, you can label him as a game changer. You can label him as an exciting guy. I like watching Tatis play baseball. I have nothing against him, but we're 20. He's 22. Yeah. I couldn't imagine somebody sitting across from me being like, here's $340 million in two years. It just, but besides that, he, to me, is still not yet like proven that he deserves $340 million. 24. He's just not. 100% of that. Or three. Yeah. No, my bad. My bad. My bad. Yeah. 340. My bad. 100%. 340. Last year. Yeah. So his his career in the major leagues is only two years, two two years in the major leagues, and you want to give a guy three hundred and forty. Okay, so his yep. first two year combined, Mike Trout still has a higher average. That's yep. I mean that's crazy. Mike Trout's played what nine what? No, he's like I think eight or nine, ten seasons in. Eight eight nine seasons. We'll say nine. In nine seasons, he's hitting three oh four. That's crazy. And Tatis hit 277 last year. Yeah, which I'm gonna be honest with you, in a 60 game season, That's and you're gonna impressive. throw you're gonna throw 277 up, it's just not like a huge yeah. number to me. And but I wanna I wanna say uh, one thing to you real quick before you keep going. One of the first ahead. things I thought about, we will be 34 years old by the time this contract yeah. expires. We I actually thought about that 34 too. years old. I mean, that's just mind blowing to me. I'm like, I'm going to be like a full grown adult with hopefully like a wife and probably kids <laughs> by that point. Like, 
34 years old and this dude's still going to be playing for the Padres. I was kind of thinking about that too, sitting at home at 34, 33 years old, watching Fernando Tatis, talking to my kid. Hey, uh, I, I remember that when he signed 14 years. <laughs> That's stupid, you weren't even man. alive yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was 20. I didn't even know you were going to be here. I was in college filming the pickup before he was famous and uh, Fernando Tatis signed this crazy contract. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's, it's interesting how they signed these. And I wonder why he got it before spring training this year, you know, cause it's not a new deal. It's just an extension. Yeah. So, I mean, and the Mets and listen to this, cause I'm looking at it right now. The Mets will still be paying Bobby Bonilla after Tatis' contract ends. <laughs> so his contract's going to be over, and they're still going to be paying Bobby. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things I've seen in the past couple that's days so when funny. I saw that. Yeah, so kind of like what you were saying about how young he is. So I understand the whole, like, 26 thing. Like, a lot of players are at least 25, 26 before this happens. But as you can see, that my issue with this is same with you. I think he's too young. He's only been in the league two years. He hasn't proved like he's proven stuff and that he's a flashy electric player, but he hasn't like had that five El to six Nino. years to show that he is going to be like <laughs> a solid foundational piece. And if you look at yeah. a bunch of people's contracts that they got, these long-term contracts, Mike Trout is going to work out because he's Mike Trout. Oh yeah. But you look at Best like player Bri- in baseball. Yeah. You look at like Bryce Harper, John Carlos Stanton, when Miguel Cabrera signed, when Albert Pujol yeah. signed, you've got, most long-term See, contract Manny Machado even though he's on the Padres he's still not putting up and he's playing fine but he's still not putting up the same numbers that he put up in Baltimore like a lot of time yeah. these long-term contracts just don't work as well but then you can also look at it as the way as they give they get these contracts while they're in their prime or just coming out of their prime Tatis is kind of getting this contract right before he is in his prime so the Padres are still yeah. kind of doing it differently than all the other teams have before even though yeah. I'm not a big fan of being just, tied up to one player for 14 years, I can yeah. see why they're doing it. Cause also the Padres have been fighting for relevance for who knows how well, long now, like forever. I think, I think also the reason they did this is cause they're, they're, they're trying to fight for another, another Tony Gwynn type, yeah. you know, that they're going to hang their hat in 15 years that they had Tony Gwynn and Tatis on their team. It's not going to be, yeah. Hey, we had Tony Gwynn and Machado. It's going to be, we had Tony Gwynn in that outstanding shortstop that the nickname El Nino, if it works. Now we, that's the problem in my opinion is we don't know if it'll work. Yeah. They could, Blake Snell is on his team. Bauer is not on his team. You yeah. know, Bauer could carve him and they play each other like eight times. He may not get a hit against Bauer. Now he could hit a hundred percent again or a thousand against Bauer. So it's, there's so many variables in the game of baseball that I just yeah. would never have offered 14 years at 22 years old. Yeah, but also, like, kind of just one more thing on it, even though it does seem huge because it is 14 years, $340 million, he yeah. is only making, like, $24 million a year. And if you compare that with some other players, like Eric Hosman, Eric Hosman, Eric Hosmer, Hosmer is making $20 million a year. Um, Jason Hayward was making $20 million a year. Shin Shu Chu is making 21. Charlie Blackman, 21. Let me get down this list. Shin Shu Chu still making 20 mil? Yeah. 
Zach Granke, 24 mil. Jake Arrieta, 25. So if you look, J.D. Martinez, 23 and three quarters. If you look, like, the contract itself, like, per year isn't ridiculous. Like, 20-something million. Because Mike Trout's making 40-plus million. Mookie Betts is making 40-plus million. So they didn't, like, overpay him. But it's still, like like I said, it's still scary to be tied up with a player for 14 years. And they gave him a full no-trade clause as well in that contract. Yeah, so I got to ask. Also, your thoughts going into spring training. I mean, you a little bit excited about it. I mean, we lo- we're looking at the 28th of February as yeah. spring training opening, which spring training is never like what I look forward to about baseball. But I don't know. This year kind of has a different feel to it, you know? Yeah. And we've talked about this before. I kind of went into a little bit of detail about my trip to Bradenton, Florida for the Pittsburgh Pirates spring training the one summer or spring and it is kind of sad knowing (laughs) i can't that's what i was getting into you can't that's (laughs) kind of what's sad about this year is you can't go to spring training and it's such an awesome event that brings in fans of teams from all over the place to go on family vacations for their spring break to go down to arizona or florida depending whether grapefruit or cactus league and i think that will definitely be an aspect that's missing is the fans because it's such like a closer or more in-depth situation compared to like going to the ballpark in the main city like you can be within 20 feet of like your favorite player compared to like hundreds of feet of your favorite player and kind of like sports events and all like the super bowl because they didn't have media row where all like fox cbs sports espn everybody's all on this big media lane during the super bowl the super bowl didn't feel as like it felt big but it didn't feel as big because the media presence wasn't there it's kind of the same thing with spring training. Like we all know it's here and it's like here, but like it's just not as big seeming because there's not media everywhere because they can't be. Yeah. And there's not it's fans that, everywhere. That pandemic. I have a, a prediction, a bold prediction that we're not going to be dealing That's with right. no more press. I think press and fans will be in Major League Baseball by the end of the season. Boom, I said it. I hope so. Good Lord. Yeah, I be, hope so. I hope there's nice. fans. I hope the fans are slammed by the end because it's stupid virus is gone but if i have to stare at zoom from two to seven o'clock doing classes for one more year i I can't do it drew i can't i can't do it i'm not having too much problems with it i'm gonna be honest with you it's not it's not awful no it 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 sucks it sucks (laughs) (laughs) another thing oh let's get this transition one thing that won't suck are the teams that are going to win all of the divisions for the MLB. It was it was good, but you had to you had to mention it was a transition. You shouldn't have mentioned so, that it was a train. It would have been better if you didn't say transition. But so the teams okay. that won't suck are the teams that are winning divisions and the pairing that'll be in the World Series and the winners. So me and too, Drew, too we're going to go through we're going to go through division by division. Uh, who we think is going to take each MLB division little preview along with our two world series picks. So uh, what do you want to start off with? You want to go East to West or West to East? I'm going to go AL East to AL, AL West. East. Okay. Okay. So we'll start on the West coast. My, no, the East coast. You said the A. you said the AL West. No, I said East. Oh, did you say East? Oh, my bad. I think so. East coast, well, best coast, you know, I'm going to go starting off in the East Coast, which I do believe is going to be a good one this year. I'm going Tampa Bay, okay? 
Now, oh. lacking Blake, lacking Blake Snell is going to hurt, but Glasnow yeah. takes a big step. Black, he he's going to be the big ace this year. I think he can take that on, and I think that they they come back. Austin Meadows. I think they're going to find a way to yeah, win it again. Yeah, this just year. just name the two foreign Pittsburgh Pirates that they stupidly traded away for Chris Archer because they are going to be absolute <laughs> studs. So thank, thanks for that one. I had Al. to do it. A little, I had to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah, thanks for that. So one. give me your AL East. My AL East. So I, I I like what you're doing with the Rays. I think I still think the Yankees are going to win the regular season. I hate the Yankees, but I still think they'll win the regular season. But I think the Rays will last longer in the playoffs like they did this past year. But I think the Yankees will win in the regular season. It, well, oh, but that's tough because they have every they've got all these big contracts, but everybody over there always gets hurt. So I don't know. I'm still. I yeah, think the I Yankees. Mean, you're looking. Will, through all the big contracts that they just put out and that they have, I think the only one that pays off consistently is DJ LeMahieu. Now, yeah. what you have to think about too is uh, Frazier there now in New York is taking a big role. Does he start? Does he not? Gary Sanchez has to play well. Well, they also Stanton got Jameson and Judge Tyon have to too. be healthy. Well, yeah, but everybody has to be healthy. That's the yeah. point. Is Stanton will get hurt. Judge will miss Judge will get hurt. 25 games at a time. Yeah. I mean, it's just things that we've seen over and over again, but I'm, something yeah, that I'm we haven't gonna... seen that I have not personally seen over and over again is the White Sox win the AL Central. That's my <laughs> pick for the Central. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty wild, but I'm going to agree with you there too. The White Sox, they've added some solid pieces over the offseason. They are now, I mean, I feel pretty fine saying it, the best team in Chicago. I think they've definitely overtaken the Cubs. And with the way the Cubs do, they'll probably trade Chris Bryant before the trade deadline anyway, and another one or two of their superstars maybe toss Jason Hayward out there to get rid of some money. But, yeah, Yeah. I've got the White Sox winning the uh, AL Central too. Yeah, and some money tossed around. We mentioned the A's earlier. I'm going to go with the A's to win the West again. Now, it's going to be harder this year, I think. Old against Houston, but I I do have the Oakland Athletics winning the AL West again. But but I want to say this too, I have the, the Rangers making a jump this year. They won't finish last. <laughs> Seattle's going to finish no, last. Yeah, it's going to be Seattle. I don't know how bold <laughs> that was, but I felt like making it. <clears throat> yeah, so I think Oakland is the perfect team to win the division in a short season because they're always like a fiery type of team that can win a short season like that or like put together a really solid like 30, 40 game stretch. But in the long run, I'm looking at the division records right now. That division was terrible last year. Oakland went 36 and 34, but besides that, it was 29 and 31, 27 and 33, 26 and 34 and 22 and 28. But I think over the long run, I think Houston's going to win this division as much as they're cheaters. Yeah, I get it. I know, like everybody knows, but I still, I think Houston's got too much talent not to win this division in a 162 game season. Yeah. Well, and what's, and what's a shame is that I don't think Mike Trout will ever win this division in his career, which is terrible to say. I hate saying it, but the Angels just don't. I, I think the, I, Every time I think they're going to take a step up, I was about to say, I think they'll take a step up, but they had Anthony Rodon last year and they still finished second to last in the division. So yeah. the Angels no, are I mean, always, oh, it's just tough, dude. I hate like great players being on subpar teams. It's not, it's fun. hard for them because you're right. They, 
did make a good improvement from the offseason and then never took that next step. But a team I'm waiting to take a next step this Uh-oh. next season is the Mets. I have them winning the NL East over Atlanta by two games. Wow. Yeah, Francisco Lindor is going to be huge, huge going to the Mets. And, well, um, the reason that I say the Mets by two games is like you said about the last division. Miami was second in the NL East last year. That's not happening again. Yeah, it's not no going to happen shot. again. No it's shot. Not. But here's the other factor that plays in is Atlanta, the pitching. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be something that I don't bring it in some new bats, some new pitching. I don't know if the Mets are not, I mean, the Mets are destined to win that division. It's, it's shaping up, honestly. Yeah. But, um, actually, I'm trying to look right now. Is Mike Sirocco going to be able to play this season? Yeah, Sirocco will be back for the season, yeah. Okay, he will. Because he sat yeah. out the rest. He got surgery during the postseason last year, I think. Okay, yeah. So, I'm going to take Atlanta to win again. I think they just got too many stars over there, young, rising stars. You still got yeah. Freeman, who's as steady as it gets. You've got Acuna. You've got Sirocco, who's a rising pitcher. And yeah. they signed Charlie Morton today too, which will or not today. They signed Charlie Morton this off season too, which will uh, provide a nice veteran presence for that bullpen. Yeah, the only and, my only knock on them having too many stars <laughs> is because people are starting to figure them out, and having a full healthy Met staff is going to be incredibly hard to beat. But that's the thing opinion. we've been saying forever, though, is like a Mets full healthy staff would be insane. But the Mets pitching staff never is able to stay healthy for the whole entire season. Like back in yeah. the day when Steven Matz was still like a young prospect, <laughs> yeah. like they've just never been able to stay healthy. But I've got Atlanta one. I'm still not high on Philly. I've never been the biggest. Nothing against Bryce Harper personally. Like <laughs> he's, he does what he does. But baseball wise, I don't think he's a very efficient or productive baseball player. I definitely don't think. And what are you saying? Change ups down and in. Yeah. Yeah. And so in Miami, they they just got on a hot streak with the short season. And in a 162 game season, there's no way they would have been able to keep pace. So I definitely have Miami dropping back down to the bottom. And I think Washington is going to. And I would. I don't, there's no way I think Washington finishes in the bottom two again. I think it's going to be Atlanta, New York, and Washington in the top three with Philly and Miami in the bottom. This is a very interesting division to keep an eye on because I don't think think Washington's going to be that bad again. See, I think Miami's down there. Washington is two from the bottom. I think Philly finishes third again just with Rio Muto signing back. They got DD back, Harper back, but who the Reds didn't get back is Wait, 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 wait. Before you go. I just want to say, yeah, there's this. This is this is interesting. All right, listen. So in the NL East, the run differential, the run differential last year, Washington came in last place with a minus eight run differential. Miami yeah. came in second place with a minus, minus 41. 41. 41. Yeah. and then the Mets had a minus twenty two as well. Yeah. Dude, I don't. I don't obviously have the record books on my hands, but. A minus 41 run differential and coming second place in the division might be the record. Yeah, no, it, yeah, I, I don't know. That, that's but, crazy. Well, I had to, I got to pick a new transition because you cut me off. You know, who didn't have a single run differential was it zero? The Cincinnati Reds. Now, Where'd that get you? We had, we had a, <laughs> we got farther than Pittsburgh. Um, hey, 
we got what I'm thinking. And, and I have to put Milwaukee one in the division, no bias. The NL Central Milwaukee wins it. Yeah. But I, I strongly believe that Cincinnati comes to this year. And yeah, no. A, a little bit of bias, but I do believe that. I'll be honest with you. So I think it's going to be – Oh, I think that – the Cubs got rid of Schwarber, and they're not the same team they were before. But I think I think it's going to be a battle between Chicago, St. Louis, and Milwaukee for the top. And no shot. Yeah, I think you St. can't Louis. just rely on Flaherty though in the stat. That's you can't. I mean, They've you got, got a Flaherty. decent offense, but yeah, but since, the offense who, Cincinnati has fallen a ton. I, don't know. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be between those three teams and. This Chicago team might be interesting because they're not that like, like, yeah, they have most of the players from that World Series team still, but they don't have like the mojo or like the ego of that. Yeah, not but, that they had an ego, but they don't have that aura of the World Series yeah, team. And they might come agreed. back like hungry, like more of like a not scrappy, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Like they don't feel privileged anymore. Like they won the World Series. Like it's kind of like starting over and they might have like yeah. some players. I play get what better. you're saying. I, I don't know that I would necessarily. I'm not going to hop on that because yeah. you lose Schwarber, you lose some other pieces in St. Louis. Yeah, you get Nolan Arenado, but I just – I don't believe that they're a strong enough overall team yeah. to finish top in that division. Now, yeah. I think it's going to be a huh? – In a 162-game season, the Reds may be able to pull it off if we can throw Hunter Green in there and see how he does, if we can get bats flowing. Because <laughs> the first three, the win percentages of the first three teams is 567, which is, was the Cubs last year, 517 yep. and 517, which was St. Yep. Louis and then the Reds. Milwaukee made it at 483. Yep. So if we can stay there with knowing with what the Cubs lost and what the Cardinals' fluctuating abilities are, I, I don't know. I feel decent, but it'll be interesting. Pittsburgh, yeah, this, this division, to, Pittsburgh got to make some big moves, like okay, get it going, spring on. training moves. All right. All right. So this division isn't going to be like the best division in baseball. Like it might've been three or four years ago when the pirates had like an Andrew McCutcheon, Garrett Cole, Jamison Tyon, the Reds had Johnny Cueto. The Cubs yeah. were on their world series roster and the Cardinals still okay. had a prime Molina, prime Wainwright. And it may yeah. not be the best division anymore, but I think it's going to be the most competitive. Like, this is by far the division I've had the hardest time picking who I think is going to win, which I'm yeah. going to go with the Cubs. But it's definitely the hardest division I've had to pick so far. And, yeah, yeah. the Pirates' 317 winning percentage is lower than some people's batting average in the MLB, and I think that's all you need to say about my crappy team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll go with a team that has a pretty high batting average throughout, and I'm going to take the Dodgers to win the NL West. I think, yeah, it's I, a pretty I think easy that's, decision. I think that's pretty simple. Yeah, that I mean, a yeah. plus 136 run differential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and they insane. only got they only get better. Yeah, it's yep, ridiculous. But yep. now I'm going to spin it to you. Okay, I'm going to do this, and then. Hear me out. I'm going to take a bold little bit of my prediction here. I think we see the Dodgers and Mets play into the World Series. I think the Mets the Mets lose it. Yep. And the Dodgers face 
the White Sox in the World Series. Boom. Interesting. Yeah, I really hate myself for what I'm about to say, and it's like the two biggest brands in baseball. And say Dodgers just, and Yankees. Just for that matter, like say I'm Dodgers skeptic- and Yankees. I'm skeptical of even saying it, but say right Dodgers now I'm Yankees. the Dodgers and Yankees in oh, the my. World Series. You're the worst. The, you're the worst type of people. I hate with with the Dodgers. Every time back, I try and make something fun. Hey, you, you make wanna, it not. Do you want to hear who I'm winning? I don't. I don't think anybody cares. It's like, yo, <laughs> who cares now? No, but I got the who Dodgers got, going. Got, I got. I got the Dodgers going back to back. You're not going to be Bueller, okay. Kershaw, Bauer, and that pitching staff for yeah, four games would, out of a seven would, game series. I could hop on that. It's just I hate to do it, but I mean, if you look like I like Tampa Bay, and like because like the NL, I feel like unless maybe Atlanta pulls off an upset, or like you said, the Mets, or maybe even San Diego does something. I think it's pretty tough to bet against the Dodgers. I think that's pretty solidified. But the AL is where it gets tough because, like, in the East, you've got Tampa and New York, which it's tough for a team to get to the World Series back-to-back times without outstanding stars like what L.A. has, like, for Tampa to go back. Yeah. And then you've got the White Sox and, what, Minnesota leading the Central, and I don't think either of those two teams are ready yet. Toronto may sneak, though. I mean, They 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 were a game behind the Yankees last year. You know, and they added a couple pieces. They got, I mean, I was, I was a little bit skeptical of them spending money, but it makes sense now being a game yeah. back. You feel like 162 games, you get somebody rolling. It might be a good opportunity for them to push to the playoffs. Yeah. And the more I'm looking at the AL, the AL is like rather weak this year compared to the NL. Like, yeah. Like you've got the Yankees and Tampa Bay that are pretty much the clear favorites. Then, like I said, you got Minnesota, Chicago, White Sox, and what you've got Oakland and Houston as the next two after that, which you yeah. can, like you still can't count out Houston. But like I, they lost Springer, who was their spark plug off their leadoff spot, great outfielder, and it's just tough. The AL is just not as competitive as the NL this year. It is not. I would tend to agree. Well, I personally don't have anything else. What you got? No, I am all good. So this has been episode number six of the pickup. It's been great hanging out with you guys. And um, for Drew Hartman, this is Stephen Biddix, and we will see you guys next week.